Transmission incoming, over. Copy that, transmission received. Hey, welcome back to the show. Christian Libertarian Veteran back at you with another episode. But first, I got to do some housekeeping. Uh, there's a new website, www.patriotradionetwork.org. There you can find all of the other shows that I do and some shows some friends do. Uh, you can shop for the merchandise, right? There's t shirts, lots of cool t shirts on there. You can get uh, Lord of the Rings stuff. There's some cool crusade, Crusader gear. There's some cool old Christian symbolism on there. So lots of cool stuff. Hit that shop tab at www.patriotradionetwork.com. So today we're going to talk about critical race theory. So I'm not an academic, right? There's people who can explain this a lot better than I can, but I want to give a quick little plug about this. So critical race theory is the idea that because God doesn't exist... There is no objective morality. There is no objective uh, truth. Every single person is the measure of everything. So you can choose your gender. You can choose your race. You can choose your sexual orientation. You can choose nothing at all and make up something different, which would basically be claiming something, so you can't actually be nothing, but you know how it works. So what is behind all this, and why is it so prevalent? And it's it's critical theory, and it's the idea that you view the world through a lens of power struggles between groups. So if you are a overweight lesbian, for instance, you might be holding to the idea of critical theory, which says that you belong to those two groups, overweight lesbians, and everybody else who doesn't belong to those groups uh, is competing with you for existence, right? We can't coexist. Uh, there is always a competition. And because there is no such thing as objective truth, objective morality, uh, the institutions that exist only exist because they have somehow gotten power over minority groups through violence. Um, so the U.S. government itself, America itself, all of the founding fathers, all of the institutions are oppressive. They exist only to subjugate and oppress people to get ahead, right? The idea that the founding fathers created this country for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is rejected because they were white, Christian, wealthy men. Uh, and those are primarily the prime subjugators of the human race, according to these critical theorists. So <clears throat> because it's a critical theory, right, it, it, it posits the idea that we have to be critical of all of these institutions, all of the naturally occurring hierarchies, uh, Western society itself. And the problem is, is that it's endlessly divisive. So it gets rid of the idea of being a person, uh, an individual, an autonomous unit, and it forces everybody into a collective. And you get to choose your collective. You know, it's kind of an a la carte of, of alternative lifestyles. You can be gay, you can be trans, you can be queer, you can be 
question mark. Um, and then all of your racial stuff on top of that in any combination thereof, right? It's infinitely divisive. So, you know, it's, it's can be the gays versus the trans versus the gay trans Asians versus uh, the LGBTQ non-binary, non-racial, I don't even know, but because the world is viewed through competing power systems, right? There will never be peace. So that's why gay marriage was allowed, but now that's not enough. It's on to the next thing, right? Uh, transgenders, right? It's not enough to say, hey, I have legitimate uh, mental impacts on my life because I have, um, you know, whatever that disease is that makes people think that they're born in the wrong bodies, which makes up like 0.1% of the population, right? Nothing, right? And that's why that's so common now is that it's kind of an a la carte menu. <clears throat> because God doesn't exist, there is no truth, there is no morality, there is no reality that's objective, you're free to make your own reality, right? And so it's endlessly creative in that sense, but it's endlessly destructive in another sense. Um, because you have to view those all in competition with each other. And that's why you see alliances made, right? LGBTQ, um, that lumps it all together. And those are all different things, right? A gay person is not a trans person, is not a, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. I don't even know what they all mean anymore, but they have to lump together, right? So they've built in alliance and they've networked together because the idea is, is that they're all fighting the same evil. And that evil is the white Christian patriarchy, right? Critical race theory relies on there being a constant power struggle. And it doesn't need to exist, but it does exist. So that's why we see what we see playing out in American politics right now. So BLM and Antifa, what are they mad about, right? They're mad about inequality. What specifically? And how do you fix, how do you propose to address that? Well, they put forth no ideas because there can't be any ideas. Because if they put forth an idea, they put forth a platform if they put forth an agenda to implement social change for the better according to them they would essentially at that point be the owners of an institution and they would then at that point be opened up to criticism from all the other people in this country who have this critical theory background so the idea is that you get to pick your own reality and everything that is not in line with your version of reality is oppressive and patriarchal right and racist and homophobic and everything and everything and everything so it's constant shade throwing at people who don't believe at what you believe you can't just be what you want to be and then go live your life <clears throat> and have friends that live the same thing right it has to be a victimhood that is ingrained into this ideology. You can't just exist within your reality. You have to exist within your reality and then wage war on everybody who doesn't believe what you believe because critical race theory requires you to be critical of all those institutions, of all those power groups, right? Uh, they can't exist because there is an objective reality, an objective morality, right? that these ideas have been uh, built upon, right? The country can't be in existence because the founding fathers believed in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The country only exists because racist white men 
Christian wealthy men specifically, created this country as a benefit to themselves, right? It can't exist to provide a good lifestyle for everybody. It can only exist because it is racist and oppressive, and it must be resisted, it must be destroyed, it must be crumbled, so then we can rebuild it into a fair and equitable manner. But the problem is, as soon as they build it into a fair and equitable manner, guess what? Now they're in charge, and critical race theory and critical theory in general haven't gone anywhere, and now they get attacked, right? Total French Revolution type scenario, where it's going to be endlessly chaotic until the end of time and or a strong man arises. And that's what we kind of see historically, right? Strong men always come up when there's chaos. So in Nazi Germany, it was Hitler, right? They had that victimhood mentality that the, somehow the Jews were behind it all. Writes Mein Kampf in jail, puts that idea out. So now they they have their victimhood mentality combined with a oppressor, right? It was the Jews, let's go get them. So copy and paste that. Uh, Soviet Union, right? Bolsheviks, it was the... The hierarchy that was in place, it was the czars, it was the capitalists, it was all the people who were making money, and then it was the academics and the business owners and everybody else, right? That was the best example of this line of thinking where everybody was the oppressor. Even if you had one acre and a cow, you were somehow the oppressor of the masses, right? Forget the fact that you sold your milk uh, in the local market, so children had things to drink that didn't matter you were an oppressor because you had wealth <clears throat> and land and it's the same idea it really kind of goes all the way back to the bible with uh, cain and abel right so cain and abel both prepare sacrifices to god abel's was more pleasing he put in more work cain was mad uh that he didn't put in the work didn't get the recognition so he killed uh abel right and the mark of cain i think is a ideology ideological mark right and that's what we're seeing right now with this critical theory and there's a lot of things going on here and it's complicated because not everybody who is out there with blm antifa socialist types understand that what they're doing is uh basically being the enforcement arm of the critical theory right they probably don't even know what critical theory is but that doesn't mean that it's not happening and that they don't believe in the ideology you can have cancer and not know you have cancer, right? You can have all the symptoms of cancer, but you might not know you have cancer, right? Critical theory and critical race theory are a disease as far as uh, ide ideologies go. It's a, it's a disease. And what we see is the symptoms of that disease uh, with the, the marches for inequality and, uh, and all this other stuff, right? But if you noticed it, they never put out any ideas on how to fix it because they can't fix it because that would imply that the problem exists in the first place, and it doesn't exist in the first place. They are marching for marching's sake because they have been brainwashed into believing that everything is a struggle. Everything is a fight between power systems. And once you get into that line of thinking, it's extremely hard to break out of it and almost impossible. It probably takes an act of God, but they don't believe in God anyway. So yeah, what do you do? And it's tough. And it all comes down to education, 
people who have this idea don't know they have this idea all the time. Some of them do. The, the true academics do, and they champion these ideas. But your foot soldiers out there in the streets who want socialism uh, and equality and believe that America is racist and that all white people are racist because they control the institutions, so therefore they must be racist because the institutions themselves are racist or sexist or homophobic or transphobic or whatever. You can't win. There is no reasoning with these people, right? Because they don't even have the framework to have a coherent conversation. They don't believe in objective truth, objective morality, or reality, right? Their philosophy requires that they reject any notion of objective truth. So you cannot, therefore, have any kind of rational discussion with these people. What framework would you even use? So if you wanted to go sit down with the leader of Antifa and the leader of BLM in a coffee shop, and you wanted to discuss how to make the world a better place, how do you even approach that situation knowing that they reject God? And because they reject God, they reject objective truth, morality, reason, facts, logic, everything that has made up Western society and has made Western society successful, they reject, right? Because in their opinions, the entire premise is racist, transgender, phobic, whatever. Uh, how do you have a conversation with them at all about anything, right? If you can't even have the same language, you won't even speak the same language as some of these people, how do you talk to them? I don't know. You know, I, I wish that we could figure it out, but if they can't even believe in objective truth and objective morality and then define what those things are, there is no framework where a positive, fruitful conversation can be had. It is endlessly um, divisive and it's endlessly violent, right? So if they don't believe in, in truth, if they don't believe in morality in an objective sense, it's their opinion versus my opinion. And if I try to persuade them to get to my opinion, that's violence, right? I am using my uh, collective uh, systems to try to oppress their minority opinions. And that is totally violent, bro. And you can't win. You can't talk with these people right not until there is at least the the framework set up which they reject and currently there is no framework so what do you do and i wish i had the answer to that if i wish i had the answer if i had the answer to that i'd be making a lot more money than what i make now um but it's almost as if it's a satanic idea weapon right so satan has through the academics created really a perfect a societal destabilization device in this idea of critical theory. And people have bought into it, hook, line, and sinker. And because they've bought into it so well, and because it's so incredibly divisive, and because it rejects everything that has been historically true, it's almost impossible to fix it. And it's brilliant in a diabolical sense. Right, If you were the devil and if you wanted to destroy the world and cause chaos, this is the perfect thing to use for it because it takes all of the fringe ideas, 
pedophilia, homosexuality, gender identity, uh, racism, and it lumps them all together in one thing. And that's what this critical theory is, is it unites all of the quote-unquote systemically disenfranchised minority oppressed groups and then puts them at odds with literally everything else. And so they're at odds with Christianity because God isn't real in their opinion. They're at odds with morality because if God isn't real, then there is no definition of what is and what is not moral. And it's up to us to decide what we think is and is not moral. They wage war on sexuality, right? You know, you're wrong to be against homosexual marriage or homosexual life because sin does not exist Therefore, if you try to tell me my lifestyle is wrong, you are attempting to oppress me, right? We can't just have a conversation. Uh, it, is, it is literally ideological warfare every time you try to talk to these people. And they reject it, and they reject you. They reject your ideas because you are the embodiment of, well, I can't say evil because they don't really believe in evil, because they don't believe in God, so that's tough, but you are literally the embodiment of evil in their, in their opinion, and there can be no discussion, because their ideas require them to be combative, right? It is baked into the process. We can't talk, because if I were to talk with them, I would be attempting to oppress them, so that's why we see safe spaces in college, um, microaggressions, and the devil has gotten full control of academia and has cooked this thing up in a little <clears throat> witch's brew, right? Adding all of the different groups together, throwing in the idea of systemic racism and oppression, and it's a perfect tool to be wielded not only against, you know, the government, right, um, but the church in general. So, yeah, it is, a, it is a spirit at play that has gotten hold of people through this ideology, and it's incredibly dangerous. So what do we do about it? Well, we have to educate, right? Not send your kids to college because that's where this crap is coming from. You have to educate in reality. You have to tell your children about these kinds of things. You have to have these hard conversations. You have to be a parent 10 times as much as our grandparents had to be parents, right? It was easy to be a parent before the internet existed. Now, <clears throat> it's really another full-time job. You know, on top of our full-time jobs, on top of just keeping them alive, we have to undo all the educational crap that comes out of the world today because it's dangerous and it's divisive and it will be deadly at some point, right? If these Antifa types ever become the ruling power, we're screwed. Um, they will constantly find uh, oppressors with which then they will go and wage war against, right? We've seen it in the Soviet Union. Sorry, in the Soviet Union. It's happened. And it will happen again. And we have to rebel against this and resist this until uh, we cannot anymore or Jesus returns. That's what we do. Um, you know, God's got his hand on the world and he's going to do his thing but that doesn't mean we just throw our hands up and say okay well i guess we'll just sit on the sidelines no we have to do what we can where we're at for as long as we're there right that's what we're called to do so we have to reject the idea of critical theory and it's happening in our churches 
churches today are adopting this, and it's dangerous, and it's unbiblical, it's unchristian, it's unwise, it's unloving, for one, which is should be the most obvious thing. So you have to identify what it is. So research critical theory and critical race theory. I'm going to put some articles down there from John Piper at desiringgod.com. He did some really good articles. There's two of them. Uh, it talks about how there was a spat between a, a Baptist minister, an African-American guy, and a Christian apologist. And the Christian apologist accused the, you know, the African-American pastor of uh, being beholden to critical race theory. And to his credit, you know, the pastor's like, I never even heard of this term before you brought it up. How can I be beholden to this theory? Well, you can have a disease without knowing you have the disease, right? And the article mentions that. So we have to combat unbiblical thinking, and we have to do it with facts, logic, reason, and we have to do it with love, right? And that takes hard conversations. So you're unlikely to get that true academic who believes in critical race theory to to change his mind because he's just going to throw up that wall and say, you're trying to commit violence against me. You're trying to oppress me. Um, You know, I'm the victim, right? That's what he's going to say. But there are a lot of people who believe in critical race theory without even knowing that that's what they believe in because they've been socially conditioned to believe this is a racist country founded by rich white men who want nothing more but to oppress you and everything that's ever been done in the history of Western culture exists to oppress people, which is nonsense. But you can overcome that, but it takes a lot of work and it takes face-to-face conversations. It cannot be done on, on social media uh, and it must be done with facts, reason, logic, and love. And who is rightfully equipped to have those kind of conversations on a daily basis? I'm probably not, right? So we have to fight against the academia machine that's brainwashing our youth into believing this nonsense that is un-American, un-Christian, downright dangerous. And that's really hard. So it really starts day one, right? What school are you sending your kids to? Is it public school? Is it private school? Can you afford private school? If you can, do it. That's my opinion. I think if you can afford it, you have to send your kids to private school. I think public school is garbage. Public school is a breeding ground for bad ideas. The education department is garbage. needs to be abolished. The church used to be the educators, right? If you can get yourself into a church-based private school, you should do that. Uh, if you can afford it. And I understand it's expensive. Not everybody can do that. If you can't do that, you have to work overtime to undo the stupid ideas that are coming from the education system. Specifically, uh, if you live in major urban areas. So they're teaching things like um, BLM education in LA, I saw, right? So if your kids are there, you know, you've got to work to undo that programming that the world is putting on them. That's our job. College, right? Your kids are going to go to college. Ask yourself, why? What do they want to do with their lives? Why do they need college to get there? If they really need college to get there, sure. Medicine, law, math, science, engineering, all those big things obviously require college. Pick a good one. Pick one that is a private school right? That is going to be less likely to have that nonsense. Pick a Christian-based education if you're going to do it. Um, 
try to undo the social conditioning that you know the the satanic powers to be are pumping into our children right that's step one and then you have to be an open door and that involves be willing to have those conversations with people be forthright in your intentions right but to also do it in a loving way there's a difference between fighting and arguing, right? Fighting is you have your opinion, I have my opinion, and we bash each other over the head and then disappear, right? And then arguing is having that same conversation with tact and love and a certain amount of finesse and persuasion, right, to try to get that other person to change their opinion, right? We just don't go and we don't just throw shade and then walk away, right? It's done with a with a certain uh, finesse to not just win the argument, but to change people's mind, right? So that's the difference between fighting and arguing. We have to learn how to argue, and we have to do that uh, now, right? Because these conversations need to be had, but they need to be had in a way that works, and you can't get there with fighting, but you can get there with with arguing. Uh, Look it up. And it used to be taught in schools, and it was called rhetoric. A traditional Christian education was um, heavily inundated with rhetoric, which was the idea of giving a passionate, articulate response to a problem with the goal of persuasion, right? Um, That's no longer taught in schools. So that's why I'm big on classical Christian education, because they teach, like, rhetoric and Latin, and all of the things that are no longer part of education. And so those need to be brought back into education because it's going to be on us to to fix this. If we want to preserve the republic, we've got to take back the education. We've got to start instilling people with good ideas. And not only that, with how to think, right? Philosophy. It's one of those kind of puns now, right, where you go get a philosophy idea and you basically make no money because who wants to hire a philosopher but philosophy is incredibly important not necessarily as a dedicated discipline but you know you need to be exposed to philosophy history you need to learn history if you learn history you can see these patterns coming right the antifa the blm stuff it mirrors uh you know the bolshevik revolution and then also the french revolution Um, but it doesn't mirror the american revolution right big differences you need to learn those kind of things so you can spot those kind of things and you can hopefully intercede and have those one-on-one conversations with people and always these conversations are not always about necessarily winning uh, this political argument but generally speaking it's got to be always steering people back to god right because if you have god you are less likely to believe in crap ideas because you believe in objective reality. What does the Bible say about this? What does God say? How should we live? Oh, okay, it's written down for me. It's been around for 2,000 years. I don't have to create my own universe. It's already created for me, and Jesus is the king of that universe, right? That's the ultimate goal of all of this, is to bring back people to God, to bring them to God, to sow that seed, to open that door and let the Holy Spirit come and do his thing. Uh, Let him take them over, reform those people. We can't do that. That's not our job. That's God's job. And all we can do is just 
provide that opportunity, right? To do our part to evangelize a little bit with good ideas and let the Holy Spirit come and do their thing. And I think that's how we we handle this, right? If it's all on us to uh, get to the BLM and Antifa people, we're screwed because we can't do it, right? It's not on us. It's too big. It's too uh, demonic in a lot of ways, right? We have to invoke God and the Holy Spirit. You can't just have a political conversation anymore. It's politics combined with the gospel, right? This is what we believe. This is why we believe what we believe, right? They're not separate things. They are intertwined. So admittedly, that's difficult for me to have that kind of conversation. You know, I'm an introverted guy. You know, I'm a Lutheran. Lutherans are kind of a stoic, introverted people, right? I'm a Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, by the way, not Evangelical Lutheran. I have to throw that out there because it's important. They are basically heretics. Uh, we're not, of course. <laughs> so anyway, uh, get comfortable with it, right? So as we're pro- approaching these times where things are going to get difficult, you can't any longer take a fully secular approach. You have to steer people towards the the gospel and towards God because you need both things, right? You can't just have the politics. The politics has a reason and a why in 2,000 years of thought behind it, which basically points to the gospel, right? You have to have both things. If you try to get them with political points uh, based off your own opinion, you will fail. You have to back up that with the ultimate source of truth, which is God himself. Uh, And if you can do that, I think you stand a really good chance at winning hearts and minds, which is really the way to go versus winning hearts and minds as a battle strategy in Afghanistan and Iraq. That's a different story. Don't get me started. Uh, Yeah, sidebar. So yeah, that's how we do it. It's hearts, it's minds, it's facts, it's logic, it's reason, and it's love through the gospel. And that's how we do it. So I wish you guys the best of luck. You guys have a good week. And remember, it's uh, it's Advent. So if you aren't doing any kind of Advent stuff, you should think about it, right? Uh, daily devotions. Pick up an Advent book. There's all kinds of resources online. It's a good way to get your head out of politics, out of COVID, out of the election nonsense, and get your, your brain and your heart set up for success. Take you uh, Take you some time every day and read the Advent stuff with your family. If you're a single guy, if you're a single girl, you know, do it yourself. Um, and then, you know, see where see where that takes you, right? It's an easy time to be full of despair. It's an easy time to be worrisome about current events. Take that time to dedicate to God, right? Get in the Word, get in the Advent stuff, because that's the season we're in, right? Holidays are hard for people, especially with covid so I encourage you guys to, to kind of explore that idea. Pick you up some Advent stuff and, and get started and seeing where that takes you. But until next time, thanks for listening. Transmission incoming, over. Copy that, transmission received.